one, episode three of the podcast where Jared Dubin, myself, and Jordan White talk to interesting people about subjects they're interested in that are not their day jobs. On this episode, which we recorded in October 2017, we talked to Nick Dika, the bassist for the Arkells, about his side gig blogging about baseball. Jordan, this one was a big reach for us. We don't know anything about blogging. So, I mean, it was super fascinating to talk to somebody that does that. Yeah, really just enlightening. I had no idea what we were going to, you know, you know, going into this, anything about the industry. Okay, we'll cut the crap. Uh, this was just really fun. Um, I love the dichotomy of, you know, Nick having what is most people's day job uh, or dream job of playing in a rock band and, you know, touring the country and the world. Um, and then his side job is blogging about baseball. Um <laughs> But yeah, I thought, I just thought that was great. I also just love talking to him about like how he got like how he learned how to write, how he uh, comes up with ideas because it's so different from writer to writer. Yeah, it was the most interesting thing to me was the idea that he's not the only one in the band with a side job doing something in the creative field. You know, one of uh, the other people in the band was a sound engineer. Another one, I believe, was a uh, you know a, a an choreo animator or something like that. Something to do with visual design and things like that. Uh, I can't remember exactly what it was, but it sounded super interesting and something that I didn't understand and would never be able to do. But you know, <laughs> like you like you said, they they have this dream job and they all need to to still find you know a creative outlet on the side anyway. And, and all of their side jobs were still in the creative field, which was you know certainly something that I found fascinating too. Yeah, um, and you know, I, I just thought it was great just talking to Nick uh, about this. Like also. Um, the different parks that he's been to. Cause he said he makes a point to try and go to like every park in a, like in whatever town they're in. Um, you know, I've, who has the best food, yeah, and who has <laughs> the best food, uh, which, um, yeah, I, I think he said was, was not Toronto, uh, funnily enough. Um, but yeah, I think, uh, let's just, let's jump right in. Yeah. This is season one, episode three of that's not my job. We're talking to Nick Dika of the Arkells about blogging about baseball. Nick, thank you so much for coming on. We really appreciate it. Oh, thanks for having me, guys. Yeah, it's no problem. How's uh, how's everything going for you today? Good, good. Um, we we have the day off. I was kind of telling Jordan through an email chain. We've been recording the last uh, week and a half. So uh, yeah, we finished up uh, in the studio yesterday, and we've kind of got today to kind of just sit with what we've done and and think about it and make notes for all the the mixing changes we want to do. So yeah, it's been kind of a, a nice, nice relaxing day. I gotta say, I never thought about bands having days off before. <laughs> yeah, well, it's it's kind of like being in a band means you're self-employed, so you can basically have as many or as few days off as you want, right? Because there's there's always things to do and there's always things you can be uh, working on. So um, yeah, you kind of uh, I, I like to take a little bit of time after we finish recording because you're just. Um, you're, you're in such a headspace that you're, you're, you're so solely focused on this one thing that it's good to, to step away for a minute, just, just to get a little bit of perspective, even on what you've just done. Um, and so, so I usually like to, to not do too much musical stuff, uh, for a day or so after, after we record. Yeah. That's, that's interesting. Is that when, you know, are you more on your days off? Are you more like taking time to take that perspective or is that when you do, um, you know, your baseball blog and stuff? Oh, um, I honestly find I do a lot of the baseball writing when we're traveling um, because there is a lot of 
kind of like uh, idle time, you know, uh, in airports and on buses and, you know, even even before shows and, and at hotels sometimes. So I find that's when I I tend to to do do my writing. Um, yeah. And uh, and not not so much not so much when we're when we're home and, and working on music, because that's kind of like a, a little bit more of an all hands on all hands on deck thing where. Uh, you've got to be kind of like constantly, you know, like thinking about ideas and parts and, and how you, you know, how you basically all the things that come with recording um, that touring's a little more um, mechanical in, in some senses and that we go out and, and we work on, you know, we do work on things like we work on the show and, and we work, we work on the, the set list and, and all those things. But um, a lot of it is, is, is routine in the sense that, you know, we are we are a band. We get up there and we play our instruments and we play, you know, more or less the same songs every night. So I I think touring is where kind of I get get to get to writing a little more often. That's really interesting. That like you know just from the way you said it, like a lot of it tends to happen in moving vehicles, like on a plane or on a bus. You know, for me, I've been writing for a while now, and I started like when I was in law school. And just doing it in my apartment in between classes or something like that. And now that, you know, professionally doing it, I work from home still. So it's a lot of myself in isolated rooms. And it seems like, you know, you're doing it around a lot of people. And when you're on the move, is that something that you've just grown comfortable to because that's the rhythm of touring? I I think it's one of those things where it's kind of your only option. Um, I, I do, I know when I mentioned this earlier, uh, days like today where, where I am kind of home and don't have, uh, a full dance card are definitely more the exception than the rule. So I think, um, I think it was kind of done out of necessity. It, it was, is more, more kind of like if I wanted to do this, I was going to have to get a little bit more, um, get a, get a little bit more comfortable kind of trying to work on things in, not the most, uh, I guess, ideal of, uh, of conditions, but, but, you know, I, I feel like we've talked to, I know Jordan and I have a mutual friend in, in Jonah Carey. And I mean, when I talk to him, that guy, he's just so productive. He, he'll, he says he'll literally, he'll, he'll write anywhere on no sleep and, you know, any number of configurations. And so it's always, to me, it's always really inspire, inspiring to hear, um, people like Jonah, like talk about it like that. Cause it, it kind of like, lights a little bit of fire under your ass and, you know, you, you realize, oh yeah, I, I can, I just gotta like, I just gotta make sure, you know, I just gotta, I just gotta try, right? Like what's the worst that can happen if, if you start riding in a car or something, you know, get car sick. That's, that's, <laughs> that's, that's the worst thing. Yeah. People ask me a lot, like if I ever, um, you know, where do I write? Like, do I write in coffee shops or do I write like here or there? And I always feel like, horrible and like such a diva when i say that oh no like i I can't write in a coffee shop i have to have like absolute silence i have to have like this and i have to have that and like and you're right like it's it's a thing where you just have to get over yourself and you have to realize that like you have to be able to write anywhere um so i'm actually very jealous of you to have acquired that skill to where you can write around people and with background noise because i know a lot of people myself included like it's just there are, we need like certain parameters in a certain setting to get any work done. Oh, I, I can't do background noise. I, I, I know I like, I definitely know where you're coming from and it's, it is, it's less than ideal. Like, you know, all this being said, it's, it's less than ideal having to, you know, 
basically right on an airplane where there's like somebody's elbows jabbing into you on, on either side. But, um, I'm, I'm fully with you on the background noise. I can't even like, if there's any background noise, I have to, I have to put, um, like music on. And even with music, I'm like super specific. Like I can't listen to any rap because there's too many lyrics in it. And then I just basically start listening to the lyrics. So it's like, yeah, I'm, the background noise is a tough one. I haven't quite been able to to master tuning that stuff out yet. Yeah, I like uh, old TV shows on in the background that like I've seen before, so that it's something that at least there's noise, but it's not something that's going to distract me because I don't need to pay super close attention to it. But music, like you know, you said I mostly listen to rap anyway, and it's not so much the amount of lyrics for me as it is like. I get distracted by the rhythm and I start writing the words of the song rather than the words that I want to write. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So I'm, I'm also curious because, you know, obviously most people with traditional jobs work in a group setting because they're in an office, but your job is to be part of a specific group. And I would imagine you're with those people more than you're with anybody else. But you also have something that, you know, you do on the side, whether it's for fun or for money or whatever it is. Do the other guys in the band have side gigs like that also? Do they think that your side job is like a kooky, weird thing? Are they into it? Are they into baseball? Yeah, well, um, I think the the other guys are into baseball. Uh insofar as to humor me, you know, and so they'll, they'll, they'll ask about, you know, this game or that game or, you know, what's going on. And, um, one of the guys, Max in the band is he is a, a sports fan. So, you know, he's, he's kind of like paying attention a little bit to baseball now that it's, it's, we're, we're talking in October. So it's, it's the playoffs. So, you know, he's, he's got, I've got a heightened awareness of baseball right now. Uh, none of them are into the kind of like the day-to-day minutia that, that I am when it comes to it. Um, but yeah, they're all kind of like generally considerate guys that, that will ask me about baseball. Um, it, again, to, to just to chat about something I like. And in terms of, um, side things, um, absolutely. Like everybody, uh, does stuff on the side. Um, because honestly, we became a band by doing that on the side, you know, the, what, it, what is now our full-time job was once our side job in, in being a, a rock band. So, um, yeah, uh, Tim, our drummer is a, an audio engineer. And so he does a lot of, um, recording sessions and editing for, uh, different, uh, musicians and podcasters. Uh, Mike, our guitar player is, does a lot of graphic design stuff. He's designed probably, 90% of all the, the merch that the band has made and, and album covers and stuff like that. Um, Anthony, our, our keyboard player, he's, uh, he's a session musician. Um, he, he takes like a lot of kind of like gigs, like basically, uh, playing with people around town. Uh, if they just need somebody to come in and lay down a, a keyboard track quickly, he'll do that. And, um, Max, our singer, he actually, uh, he works on a podcast producing, um, for, uh, a TV station up in Canada called much music. Um, so yeah, we've all kind of got little things, uh, we do on the side to try to, you know, not go too far down the, the musical rabbit hole and try to try to stay as well-rounded as we can. It's interesting that you all gravitated towards side jobs that are also in like the creative. Yeah. I, I think why that is, is it's just a little bit more, um, flexible, 
in terms of scheduling and things like that. Um, because the, the, as much as we do like doing other things, the band takes up the vast majority of our time. And a lot of situations, it takes up time where we're physically not in one place either. And, you know, a lot of, a lot of the stuff like I end up writing about the Jays is done from, you know, Western Canada or somewhere in the US or Europe and things like that. So it's, it's good to have something that is not tying you down to one physical location. And I think jobs in the creative field typically allow that kind of flexibility. Whereas, you know, if, if I, if my side job was being a millwright, I'm, I'm going to need an office or something like that or a workshop to, to work out of that I can't really bring with me the same way I can bring my computer. Um, I actually wanted to ask about, uh, you covering like a single team because I know you cover the Jays. Is it, is it tough at all to cover one single team while you're on the road and away from that team so much? Yeah, for sure. And, um, in, in kind of my like writing, I'm not covering them the same way, like, you know, a beat reporter would or, um, or someone sure. like that. And, uh, and, and I, I do try to tailor the kind of writing I do around the fact that there might be, you know, three or four days where I'm not able to, to watch a game. Um, and, and it is, it is difficult. And there are lots of, of kinds of baseball writing I couldn't do because I am not able to basically sit down and, and, and watch the team and follow the team for, you know, four to five hours every day. Yeah, that's, where I actually was going to go next, like the different kinds of writing, because I read some of the stuff at Baseball Prospectus, and there's like a mix of statistical work. Like, you know, you wrote something about like Jose Bautista's swing percentage on pitches outside the zone. And then you had like more irreverent stuff, like what to get your favorite Blue Jays fan for Christmas. Um, so like which, which got better responses, like which is more in your lane and which is like more fun for you to do like do you like digging into statistical stuff or are you more of like the i, I want to propose gifts for people that are as into this as i am yeah i think um i i like being able to do both um i i think again i started doing what i i kind of call it like uh blue jays fan fiction because um i started doing that because it it was easier to kind of talk more in in kind of like a lighthearted lighthearted way about the team uh, when you weren't as close to it as you'd like to be. Um, so that that's kind of where kind of the more uh, silly or tongue-in-cheek articles kind of came from. And in terms of the, the statistical stuff, it's, it's just the internet is just such an amazing place and you can learn so much and you can dig into so many different kinds of numbers um, just with nothing other than like, you know, <laughs> a regular laptop. And, uh, I, I just kind of always, I always kind of stumble upon those things when I, when I do those kinds of articles, it's more, it's always, it's never usually comes from any place other than I was just curious about something. And I started, you know, with, with Batista at the beginning of the year, I just, I was watching and he, he looked, he didn't look very good at the plate, but you know, in my head, I thought, well, Troy Tulowitzki didn't look very good at the plate last year. And he ended up having a pretty serviceable decent season when when all was said and done so i just kind of started doing a little bit of digging and uh it ended up uh in an article but um yeah i I do like being able to to do both and not having to to stick in one lane um although i will say i think the the more kind of like tongue-in-cheek stuff is is rarer 
So I, I do try to make a point to always, always get to that, the, the lighter stuff. Cause I, I do feel like a lot of sports writing and coverage is either on the serious side or it's kind of like a little too, a little like ridiculous in the kind of like bar stool sports way, which is not necessarily my favorite um, way of following sports. When you were pausing there, when you were saying a little too, a little too, I thought you were about to say a little too inside baseball. And I was like, <laughs> I, I wish that we had some sort of sound effects right now. Yeah. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Nick, do you feel like the, the light stuff is also maybe increasingly necessary as the team fades, not fades, but like becomes more relevant in terms of like the postseason? Um, yeah, because you have to find more stuff to write about a team that's like maybe not horrible, but also not great. They're just kind of there and they're like their meaning as far as like the championship pursuit is concerned becomes less and less as the playoffs get closer and closer. Yeah, yeah. There's definitely um, there. Like you said, when when the team is not uh, in embattled in like fighting for a championship, there are you have to kind of focus on different storylines. And if, if you're willing to kind of start treading in the kind of like the more fun or light stuff, that's not necessarily as relevant to, to the play on the field. It, I think it does kind of give you, give you more, more stuff you can talk about and, and, and fun little things. Like I, I my latest one I did was on, um, I did a, an end of season awards for the Jays, but I did like all kinds of like, uh, you know, alternative awards. Cause so many people, you know, have, have columns and they're great columns. I love reading them where they give out, you know, MVPs or least valuable players. They grade the performances, but I tried to try to go a different direction and just like, you know, I most bizarre injury of the year and, and, you know, things like that to, to kind of keep it fresh. Yeah. That's where um, I was going to go. Like, obviously you have your day job and I would imagine it takes a lot of time, not just when you're recording, but also, preparing to record and you got to maintain uh you know maintain your instruments you guys got to i don't know if you're involved in the writing at all but like i would imagine that takes a ton of time as well and then you're touring and you're moving around and you're writing so do you have a lot of time to read stuff as well because i don't know if you want to with with a team specific writing there's obviously so much beat writer coverage now i mean do you have a lot of time to read a lot of stuff and know like this is something that's not being covered and that's what I want to do. Where do you get your ideas from? Yeah, that's, that is something I, I try to make a point of like typically when I sit down to, to do any, do any kind of writing, the first thing I do is I try to read for an hour and a half to two hours. Um, just again, to make sure that it isn't stuff that's been kind of already covered by someone. Um, and, and just to get as, as much of a sense, uh, for, for what's, what's been and is being talked about, um, at, at that moment in time. Uh, that said, I do try to do a lot of just kind of like daily reading and, you know, fan graphs and Sportsnet and Andrew Stoughton's website are all kind of like on my most visited pages, uh, on my computer because I, I am able to, to follow kind of like daily as well, uh, to some, to some degree or another. If, if it's not watching a game, I'm, I'm usually able to, you know, read, you know, four to five pieces of writing on the Jays every day. Um, no matter what we're doing or, or kind of where we are in the world. Um, and, and that's, that's a nice thing. Or even just, you know, there's so much, you know, for all of the terrible stuff on Twitter, it, if you're following the right people, there's a lot of 
great content, you know, related to, to the Blue Jays too, um, that, that comes out all, all the time. And it's, there's a lot of good discussion happening. It's, I know pretty crazy to, to, to say there's a lot of good discussion happening on Twitter, but, um, yeah, uh, I, all in all, I, I, I am able to, to, I think, keep pretty appraised of, of what's happening. With, with all that content that, that you're reading and because there's so much out there now, do you ever find it hard to come up with an idea that you oh, yeah. feel I mean, original? Oh, yeah. I mean, absolutely. Like, I feel like that with, with writing. I feel like that with the music we make. Um, yeah, that's always, that's always the challenge. Um, and I do feel like with kind of going in, into the more tongue-in-cheek stuff, there's there's a little more room to to paint outside the lines and there is a little bit less of that happening that's Blue Jay specific, you know? Um, there's obviously some kind of... There's more national outlets that kind of cover those types of things, but um, I, I do feel like a lot of times I'm I'm able to to bring something up that, that hasn't been brought up, um, at least in the more traditional Jay's media. Like, you know, if, even if it's something like how to you know, talk about the food at the, the stadium or, or things like that. Um, yeah. So it's, it's always a challenge though. And, and you do want to be very conscious of not doing something that someone else has already said. It's just from, um, from listening to you talk about it, it does seem like the writing for you comes about from a love of baseball more so than a love of writing. Like, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but it does seem like from the, how passionate you are about team and how much reading you do about them and how much discussing you do about them online. It does seem like that's where the motivation comes from. And I'm always interested in like why people write. Like I know some people that are sports writers that write because they love writing and they couldn't would write about other things if that was where the market took them. But they write about sports because that's where they get paid to write about sports. Is, is that accurate for you that it's more about baseball than writing? Yeah. Yeah. I, I think you're, you're definitely right in that. I I've always kind of felt writing, um, writing to me has always been a way of communicating. Um, and, and for me, why I kind of got into the baseball writing was, you know, as a kid and teenager, uh, I loved playing baseball and, and I loved, I loved watching it too, but you know, I, definitely spent more time playing. And, and as I kind of got older, I, as with most people, you kind of veer into, to watching more than, more than playing sports because, you know, of all your other life, life commitments. And, uh, yeah, I, as, as I started watching more, I obviously would like enjoy kind of talking about them and, and thinking about them. And, and I've always viewed writing, not just even, not just sports writing, but like when it comes to like you know, the lyrics I think are important in, in music or, you know, um, when I was in, in school, I, I've always, I've always seen writing as, as the way to, to communicate ideas and have like kind of an engaged interaction between different ideas and, and thoughts and stuff like that. So, um, and in this case, yeah, it would, because I, I love baseball, it's, it's, it's a communication about that. So yeah, I, I, I definitely think you're, you're right in that it's more about, it's more about baseball and, than the, the, the prose of writing. How do you think you've changed as a writer, um, as you've, you know, continued to write about baseball and write for prospectus? Um, well, I, I think doing any kind of writing, like in relation to baseball is something that is very new to me. Uh, so I, I still, I really feel like I'm, I'm still in a spot where I'm just trying to learn as much as I can, um, from, 
as many different kind of like people and sources as I can. Um, and I, I, I have, um, I have a couple editors that, that are responsible for doing the editing at the Toronto site that are always really helpful, uh, in terms of just kind of helping me get to the core of ideas, or even if it is something statistical, they're, they're really helpful with being able to sh- basically, you know, just showing me shortcuts and, the uh, at baseball prospectus, like if I'm rooting through stats on, on somebody's page or, or things like, that. um, so I, I, I like to think I'm, I'm becoming a little more being able to be a little more clear than, than I used to be. Um, but I, I really feel like I'm, I'm everything it's, it's, it's exciting in that, like everything's a learning experience. Um, and like, you know, how to write, like, ty- like giving idle or articles titles was something I never thought about ever, ever thought about in my life until I started doing this. And, and, you know, that was something that the editors were, you know, there's, there's things that they're, they're trying to communicate in the titles and, you know, there's SEO optimization and all stuff that, you know, I just never would have thought about before. Um, so that's one example again of, or a couple examples of, I think a lot of the different ways I'm, I'm, I'm learning. I'm better at working the fan graphs page <laughs> too at this point. <laughs> I got to say that, that feeling of maybe not necessarily entirely knowing what you're doing and like, it's still a learning experience. And am I actually a writer that doesn't really go away ever. So have, have fun with it for as long as you're doing this. It's not something that is all of a sudden going to be like, oh, well, now I'm a writer and I know exactly what I'm doing. It's all about like hating yourself and your work enough until the words come spilling out on the page. <laughs> so now, though, because you brought it up, I think we're going to have to talk like super in depth about your actual baseball career. <laughs> what? So, what position did you play? What did you hit righty or lefty and did you throw righty or lefty? Like for me, I was a lefty hitter and a righty thrower. Um, who, who is your, who is like your baseball analog, whether it's on the Blue Jays or someone else? Like I got 9 million questions about your actual baseball playing career. <laughs> well, it, I will say if, if I led to believe it was any kind of like significant playing career, I was, that's, Definitely not the case. And keep in mind, I'm Canadian as well, which means the caliber of baseball being played up here is not nearly as high as the caliber that you guys are used to in the States. Um, so basically, I played baseball until uh, I was about 21. Uh, I played through high school. I was a catcher. Me and then too. there's a there's kind of like a... Sorry, go ahead. I was a catcher too. Oh, nice. Lefty hitting catcher. Yeah. Ooh. Um, that's, that's, that's an in-demand, uh, that's an in-demand service in, in professional baseball. Um, it's too bad I have terrible knees and hips and back and (laughs) I I know, I don't understand how I ever used to do it. Now I bend down to tie my shoes and I just hear a thousand cracks in my knees. Um, I don't know. I, I really can't fathom how I ever used to crouch for, for nine innings, but. Yeah. I think we might have lived the same life somehow. <laughs> it's very possible. <laughs> maybe maybe I'm your Canadian doppelganger. That would make so much sense. I've always wanted to have one of those. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> <laughs> uh, who introduced you to baseball and who introduced you to music? Was it the same person? Um, no, I think with baseball, I just, I'm 32 years old. So I, uh, was growing up in kind of the early nineties and the blue Jays were winning their first world series in 92 when I was, um, 
yeah, when I was seven and, and then they won again in 93. Um, so I think it was just more kind of the, the time and place. Um, m- my parents were never really like pushing their, their, their policy was you've got to do some sports. We don't care which ones. Um, you know, like they're, they're like wanted you to be active, but they weren't going to push you in any direction. And I think, um, with, with the success of the Jays, I, I became interested in the team and, um, you know, to bring it back to my parents, they were pretty happy when they found out I like baseball because it's a lot cheaper than, than hockey. And, uh, yeah. And, and so I think I just kind of discovered the team through, through kind of the era in which, which I grew up and, um, with music, I think it was, uh, it was just kind of, I came to music a little later. Um, it, it, as you kind of get, you know, get kind of older, like as, like kind of as a preteen, it becomes, you know, more, more significant, I think, in a lot of people's lives. And I think it was kind of the same, the same thing where it's just as, as you see more people around you becoming interested and impacted by it, you kind of start to uncover some rocks for yourself and, and start listening more and, and things like that. And, um, yeah, I started getting into music when I was probably like 11 or 12, like really listening to different stuff and not just kind of, you know, the, the 10 tapes my dad had in a shoebox at, at home. Yeah. Who is, who is your first favorite player? Oh, um, well, as much as I said, I, I love the Blue Jays. I was Ken Griffey for sure. Ken Griffey Jr. Um, I thought for sure that answer was going to be Joe Carter. Oh yeah. No, no. It, it, it was always Griffey. I mean, I think just he was, I mean, he was one of the biggest stars of that, that early nineties era, but beyond that, I mean, he just, as a kid, I feel like he was the most relatable player. Everything he, everything he did had this like, kind of like, you know, exuberance that a, that a kid would have. And, you know, whether it's like backwards hat or like basically playing the outfield so recklessly that he hurt himself every second year. Um, I think those are kinds of things that, you know, an eight year old identifies with, right. More so than um, some of the more kind of like serious methodical uh, approaches to, to, to the game that the other, other players have. A hundred percent. First of all, like I hated the Mariners because I'm a, I'm from New York. I'm a Yankees fan. So when they beat us oh. uh, in, in 95, when Junior scored that run, and like, so yeah. I hated the Mariners, but I just loved Griffey. Everybody that grew up in the 90s did. Like he was just the personality and the backwards hats and the swing was like the, just the most beautiful thing that has ever existed. And like, I don't know how you couldn't fall in love with baseball when you, if you were watching him during that period of time like it makes total sense that anybody that did would have and I guess oh. like you know he became like he was still always one of my favorite players but you know once the Yankees started winning then it, you know it was Jeter and Mariano and Bernie and those guys and that's yeah. why I guess the Blue Jays success sort of dropped off after those few years in the early 90s so that yeah. there maybe wasn't necessarily a guy there that would have been the quote-unquote favorite. Yeah, I mean, the, definitely most kids my age who who are from Canada, their favorite player was Robbie Alomar, and and I did I did love Alomar, but to me, I just it would, Griffey was just too great to to deny it, and and so I just I always kind of I never saw any kind of like issue with being like, oh yeah, the Jays are my favorite team, but. But Junior's my favorite player, and and he was till basically the day he retired. <laughs> he drove away from the drove away from Safeco Field that <laughs> that day in April. <laughs> is uh, is there a player like that 
today, obviously not in terms of like skill or whatever, but just like the, the, a player that just has like that much draw and just seems like, yeah. So for lack of a better word, cool. Is there a player like that? I don't know. I mean, for me personally, and uh, I think I'm drawn to different things now. So I, I mean, I would say my favorite player right now is Joey Votto and Joey Votto, I think is, so interesting in so many different ways, whether it's, you know, kind of his always evolving cerebral approach to hitting or, you know, how he he kind of seems to be trolling the rest of the the National League East with his, you know, roofing balls and, and like teasing fans and stuff like that. Um, I, I find him now to be to be like really, really like interesting and entertaining and, and all sorts of things. But I don't know if those that's not necessarily the kind of things I would have connected with as as a as a little kid and and I think maybe the a player who would be more like Griffey-esque now would I would say maybe like Francisco Lindor someone like that who's you know you you can tell takes a lot of takes a lot of joy in playing he's he's great defensively and is always having fun um so in terms of someone someone like Griffey I I guess maybe maybe someone like Lindor um, but for me, I'm, I'm just kind of, I'm, you know, an adult now. So I'm drawn to kind of like, not that I don't like Lindor. Lindor is great too, but I'm kind of, I'm more interested in Joey Votto's shtick at this point in, in my life. Yeah. Um, I think, well, I mean, so much, so much has changed too, right? Like when I was a kid, fan graphs didn't exist. Um, I know, I know that there, there was some kind of like, there was a groundswell of, of, things like related to statistics and sabermetrics, but uh, I, I definitely hadn't learned. I didn't start kind of learning about that and, and following those kinds of baseball writers until I was probably like 18 or 19. Um, so I think just kind of the, the general change in the, in how baseball was covered and talked about um, influenced me. Cause I do even try if I am doing something that's a little more uh, tongue in cheek to, to infuse it with with elements that are kind of like based in in like something like analytics or or kind of like new stats and, and things like that. Um, like 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 when I was doing the how to fix the ballpark food, you know, just like little jokes. Like I said, we could do an Edwin Encarnacion pulled pork sandwich to match his batted ball profile, things like that. Like <laughs> I definitely like the Joey Votto interest. I find interesting too because. Baseball is probably like the most stats friendly sport at this point, even if there are still definitely holdouts on that front. But Joey Votto, I feel like, is going to be a guy when, you know, sports and and baseball become even more stats friendly, you know, 25, 30, 50 years from now. People are going to look back and feel like, how was Joey Votto not widely considered like one of the five best players in baseball, like he's he led the NL in, in OBP, I think like six out of the last seven years, and the other time he was in second. He hits like twenty five to thirty homers every year, gets on base like almost half the time, which is like for people that are into you know baseball advanced stats, like getting on base is what it's all about, and and slugging percentage, and he's you know towards the top in both of those things. So the fact that you have developed an interest in that writing and developed an interest in that player, I feel like is very congruous and makes a whole lot of sense. Oh, for sure. Yeah, no, I, I, I totally agree. Yeah. And, and you know what? I do think he is going to, history is going to look more favorably on him than I think he he's viewed right now. Cause he, he's just so hard to get out. Like you said, you can't get him out. And when he hits the ball, he, 
he hits it with authority. Like he's going to be, I think, yeah. If he keeps going at the at the pace he's going on, he might be one of the the yeah the five best players of of our generation. I mean, is is there a guy on the Blue Jays that you find yourself more drawn to? Like, how does covering? I guess multiple questions there. Like, does is there a player on the team that you find yourself more drawn to than others? How does covering the team change that? And why is Joey Bats the best nickname? <laughs> yeah, yeah, and it is a it is a pretty. It is a pretty great nickname. Um, and I think, I think because when, when you kind of follow a team more closely, you are, you're more invested in everybody. And there's, there's more because you follow it closely. You, you know more about a lot of things that, you know, you wouldn't know. I know, I, you know, as much as I can say, I love Votto and I know all this stuff. I don't know who's coming. Who's the second guy out of the bullpen for the Reds? Um, whereas with the Jays, I know a lot about everybody on the team. And so I think that allows, allows me to get interested in a lot of things I wouldn't necessarily be interested in. Um, in terms of if I had to, if I had to pick one, one or two people that I, I'd say are particularly interesting, um, Josh Donaldson obviously is, uh, a really interesting, great player. And he has a pretty interesting kind of like, off the like backstory as, as to his, his path to the majors and his, his upbringing. Um, and in terms of, uh, in terms of other guys, I'm, I'm Marcus Stroman's very, uh, he, he's another guy who's very, he's very engaged in like social media and, and, and kind of his off field kind of pursuits, whether it's, you know, his clothing line or, or, um, you know, he, he graduated, he went back to college when he tore his, uh, when he tore his ACL in, in 2015 and, and, you know, you, you got to follow along as he was kind of like going to class and rehabbing and things like that. So I, I do think there's, there's a lot of, of interesting stuff on, on the Blue Jays too. And, and players that, that have lots of kind of like interesting storylines to, to follow as well. Uh, you've, so you've mentioned one thing um, a few times that I think is really important for us to touch on and that is stadium food. Oh yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah you don't get to be my size without noticing stadium food <laughs> yeah. so who has the best stadium food um and uh who 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 is lacking yeah well i think for the one of the one of the nice things about about being a musician is we get to because we're touring we get to go to a lot of parks that i probably wouldn't have been able to go to um if i was kind of working a regular a regular job. Um, and so at this point we've been to probably like 22 or 23 of the, the 30 MLB ballparks. Um, and for me, the, the, the most memorable thing I think I ate was probably, is it bulls barbecue in, um, Philadelphia? I had a real, really good sausage link from there. Um, so yeah, I, I, that stadium, I went, I went to it when it first opened. Like, yeah. I'm sure it looks the same. It was so nice. I remember being just blown away when I yeah, went there. It's, it's beautiful. So I think for, for worst food and, and I hate to be the one to say it, but I think worst food might be Toronto as of, as of right now. Um, wow. I think, I think they're going to be making some changes and hopefully, uh, upgrading some of the, the food available, but, uh, it's just kind of, it's really standard ballpark food, but it's just not very tasty. Like, you know, for, for years and years now, the, the kind of, the kind of 
known thing around the team is that if you're going to get a hot dog, you got to get it from one of the carts outside of the stadium before the game because the ones inside are just like, not only are they more expensive, but they're boiled and they're not grilled and they're just not very, you know, just not very good. Um, you know, the beer selection uh, wasn't great for a long time. I think they're starting to to move into a, a more kind of craft beer friendly direction. Um, but uh, yeah, for a lot, of, a lot of years, you could just kind of get Labatt Blue or Budweiser and stuff like that. Um, and there's just, yeah, there's just not not the different kinds of uh, interesting options either at the Skydome or excuse me, Rogers Center. The, the thing that's always the thing that's always um, really interested me about baseball as far as stadiums is concerned is it feels like stadiums and baseball more than any other sport are spoken with with like with a sort of reverence. Like it's a goal to go to um, like a game at Fenway or a game at Wrigley. Whereas like you don't really hear a lot of people say, Oh, I really want to go to a game at um, like Foxborough or I really want to go see a basketball game in Indiana because I need to go to like whatever it's called yeah. that now, like Banker's Life Fieldhouse. Why do you, why do you think that is? Um, I'm guessing just because of the, the uniqueness of ballparks, like there's no, I mean, I think it starts from the field itself where there's no set dimensions. Uh, whereas if you do go to Foxborough or any basketball arena, um, the dimensions are the exact same anywhere. Um, so I think that is one thing that allows baseball to kind of be a little more unique and inject a little more personality into, into the ballparks. I mean, sometimes I think we get a little too cute with it and, you know, that I'm the hill in center field at, uh, in Houston, who was probably an example of taking that a little too far, but, um, was that better or worse than naming it originally after Enron? Enron? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they, they probably are in lockstep as, as kind of like the two terrible things about, about that field. But um, It's like that allowing themselves to get hacked by the Cardinals. And, oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and who was the guy yeah. that they drafted that like went back into the draft and wound up somewhere else? That happened too. Those are like the worst decisions for the, for the Astros. Oh yeah, well the other one was Mark Appel. Do you remember Mark Appel? He was the the number one pick. I think they took him. Memory serves me right over Chris Bryant one year, um, and he's he's yet to yet to crack the majors. So yeah, the Astros as as good as they are, they're not batting a thousand. But uh, yeah, it is it is surprising <laughs> to me that um, like there's there's no regulation size for yeah. For a bit, like that that just seems like really baffling to me because like in every other sport there's you know defined area of whatever area of play whereas like in baseball i know they have like that's why hitters parks can exist and pitchers parks can exist but that like it still baffles me yeah it's like imagine if you know you went to play the grizzlies in memphis and the three-point line didn't exist but when you went to play the warriors there was a four-point line five feet from half court that's like what it's like in baseball stadiums now like you know yankee stadium the old yankee stadium was sort of like you know apart from the you know the reverence that it had it was sort of like a standard ballpark not too hitter friendly not too pitcher friendly you know neither you know ne not necessarily favoring right-handed left-handed pitchers or hitters now it's like uh you know every left-handed pitcher they're at risk of getting guys like slapping home runs over the right field wall yeah. because it's the easiest right field to hit home runs to. And then you go like 
to Fenway, and it's like if you hit it to right center, you got to hit it like nine million feet. But if you hit it to right field down the line, you have to hit it like seven feet, and it goes out of the park. It's it's so crazy the way they do it. Yeah, it it really is nuts, and I think that's what's like in baseball. You you can get you can get general managers in front offices building building teams around their ballpark as much as as they are trying to just kind of like build their teams around a, a philosophy or, or trying to get the best players. Like, you know, there, I, there's been lots of years where, you know, well, I mean, the Rockies are, are probably like the best example that they, they, they seem to, they seem to have to try to build pitching staffs where the pitchers are, tr- are ground ball heavy and, and are able to keep the ball on the ground because they know in, in the high altitude that they're just not able to, um, they're just not able to kind of, oppress uh home runs at, at the rate like a, a regular a regular pitching staff would and i think that's that's kind of interesting when when teams know oh yeah our ballpark's big so we're gonna get kind of we're gonna get a bunch of guys who can like slap triples and and run for days um as opposed to like other sports where it is a little more uniform yeah, it does seem like by the way from from talking to you just about baseball in general like you clearly know a lot about teams other than the blue jays and i know I don't know if it's all, but the large majority, at least of what I've read of your writing, is focused on the Blue Jays. Like, do you want to write about other teams? Have you considered writing about other teams? Or is it like you don't necessarily have enough time to cover the league as a whole and it's more just, you know, that's that's your team, those are your guys, you know the most about them, and that's why you write about them? Yeah, well, I think it it started because I knew the most uh, about the Jays and, and followed them as as closely as I do. But um I'm I'm not I'm not opposed to to doing uh stuff about other teams but um the the site I I'm, I'm writing for now is Blue Jays focused so that that means a lot of what what I write about is is the Jays and then you know the odd time you know one of their rivals or or something like the Orioles or the Red Sox or whatever but um yeah I'm not I'm not opposed to it and I do I do love baseball as you know, I do love the the whole league, and uh, you know, I'm I'm loving right now. Again, it's it's October. I'm loving the playoffs right now, and and you know, having to watch a Jays team that wasn't very good this year, it's it's a mate. I'm I'm just getting so much joy out of watching these four, what are now four, really really great teams play. You know, uh, five times a week. Um, so yeah, it's it's not something I'm opposed to, but it's it's not something that's kind of uh, front of mind either, or or I'm looking looking to do right now does it ever strike you as funny that your main job is like everyone's dream job and your side job is well sometimes people say oh are you like writing from your mom's basement oh (laughs) 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 yeah yeah i i it's like the night like one of i think one of the underrated uh things about having a, a dream job is um you kind of get to make your own rules. And, you know, for me and the rest of the guys in the band, one of those rules was like, Oh, I'm, I get to do this. And then I'm going to try to do this other thing that I like to do. Um, and, and I do, I, I really try to like, not take that, not take that for granted, you know? Um, but yeah, it is, 
it is one of those things that I it it's 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 not like there is a little bit of dissonance I think between the two the two <laughs> the two ideas right of like being like in a band and and yeah again like you said blogging from your mom's basement but I think if you pulled back the curtain on specifically the the band I'm in uh, there'd be a lot of a lot of cliches and tropes that would just be uh, completely destroyed. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> it would make more sense. I, I guess we can go here then. You know, you did describe it as your dream job. I mean, I know you mentioned you got into music a little bit later than you did baseball. I mean, from the time you got into it, was it your dream job? Like, was your dream job in baseball? Was it something else? Oh, no, like music 100% happened. As And as much as I'm, you know, loving it, it completely happened by accident. I always, uh, I always... When I talk to people about it, I equate it to, uh, you know how Kramer on Seinfeld just kind of walks into situations like ass first and like doesn't, has no intent on getting there. That's kind of me and music. I, I was in school. My, my dream job at that point was I wanted to be a professor and, and I was working towards that. And I met the guys, the rest of the guys in the band and they were, you know, they were pretty, pretty interested in music as, as a career and, I said, you know, they needed somebody to to play with them. And I, I said I'd play with them. And it just kind of snowballed from there. Um, but not not because I was, I had like set designs on, on having a career in music. Just kind of happened by accident. That sounds really cool, man. I'm, I'm glad that it worked out for you. And obviously, you know, you're having good success with it. You're having good success with, uh, you know, your side gig as well, which seems like a whole lot of fun or, you know, at least it is from the outside. I know while you're doing it, we mentioned earlier, it's just hating yourself until the words spill on the screen. <laughs> Do, uh, so again, thank you so much for doing this. This is really interesting. I feel like I got to, to know, you know, you and your path, obviously a lot better. I mean, is there anything like, do you guys have, you know, your, your most recent album out? You got shows coming up that you Yeah. Yeah. So we, um, our album's called Morning Report. We released it, uh, the newest version of it, um, earlier this summer. And then, yeah, we're going to be on tour f- for most of November. We, we start, uh, November 1st in Detroit and, or sorry, November 2nd in Detroit. And then we'll be touring all throughout the, the Midwest U.S. for the next three weeks. We're hitting the Eastern Seaboard. Um, and, uh, and yeah, so, that's that's what we'll be up to and hopefully if there's if someone wants to come out to a show we can we can talk baseball we can talk music what uh whatever they want but yeah that's what we'll be up to do you have fans that come up to you at shows and talk about baseball and your writing uh yeah once in a while um yeah there was a last time i think that we were in portland oregon and there was a, a guy up there who who wanted to talk about it um and yeah i always i always love it because I'm not going to lie. Like you get a, like in terms of music stuff, you get a lot of the same questions from people who, you know, you talk to at shows. A lot of it's like, what was it like to play with this person? Or what's the, what's the craziest thing that's happened on tour and stuff like that. So somebody wants to come up and be like, you know, is Donaldson hurt or is he just in a funk? Like I'm happy to, uh, to indulge. Yeah. And then you can let them know, you know, where to get good hot dogs at the the Rogers Center, which nobody should ever call it. (laughs) Yeah, agreed. (laughs) Nick, thank you so much. Uh, Really appreciate it. Uh, I'm Jared Dupin. He's Jordan White. And uh, thanks for listening to the show. 